welcome to today's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have uh, movie maker, FX guy, um, local filmmaker out of Dayton, uh, Derek Worley. Derek, tell us about yourself. Hello. Well, as you know, my name is Derek Worley. I, uh, I'm a special effects makeup artist located in the Dayton area. Uh, I've been doing it for quite some time, uh, full-time professionally since 2019. And uh, yeah, love doing those uh, independent films and uh, getting very, very, very messy. Uh, I would say on occasion, but it, it's pretty frequent actually. I, you're gonna be—it's gonna be hard to see me with uh, without blood stains on my hands and shoes. Ah <laughs> oh, man! So first question out the shoot, I gotta ask you. You had to be sure. a Fangoria kid. Did you get the videos and stuff out of Fangoria to teach you how to do all the special effects makeup? Oh, absolutely. So <clears throat> I grew up in a really small town. Um, I mean, really small town. Pleasant Hill. I'm sure you yep. know where it's at. Pleasant Hill. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, just, just so it's like, I mean, population 700 in this whole town. It's itty bitty. Yep. So I remember going to the next biggest town over, uh, Troy, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a bookstore there and they would carry Fangoria. And I would uh, I would talk specifically my grandmother into buying me issues of Fangoria all the time. And I would, you know, read those things forward, backward and sideways and uh, watch horror movies, you know, fast forward, rewind, pause, frame by frame, trying to figure out how did they make these effects happen? You know, so many different movies. And I, I truly without Fangoria. Uh, and, and sometimes having those editorials where, you know, they have FX artists describe little things or show you little things. I don't know how I would have figured it out because like even even watching movies behind the scenes and stuff, they only give you little tidbits of stuff. So it's like I had to kind of fill in the pieces, trial and error and stuff. But, but Fangoria, um, Famous Monsters and all that stuff. Well, without those magazines, I, I would be nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was one of those kids. Um, I don't know what the age difference between you and I are. Uh, um, um, but when I was in high school, we had this one class. First year for this class. Went up to mm -hmm. Sydney. Um, they had this one. It was uh, applied sciences. It's where they took science and tried to apply it to everyday stuff and then make, make science and technology fun for kids, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, me and one of my best friends at the time, we were horror movie kids. It's, you know, fascinated. And uh, Child's Play had come out. Hadn't been, I think Child's Play 2 had just come out. Um, and uh, fascinated by Kevin Yeager. Loved his work and stuff back in the day. And so we did a report on Kevin Yeager and how to build the Chucky doll. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. So we built a partially animatronic, you know, old school wire pulleys things we built uh, like a hand so the hand would articulate like that and uh we did a because uh, you know uh kevin yeager's from ohio so that was big time for us as you know horror yeah. movie kids and um we did her report on kevin yeager and the build building of the chucky doll and her introduction was the beginning of child's play not the beginning but um where chucky first shows up in the apartment to the uh, confront the guy who taught him mm -hmm. voodoo and uh that was our whole yeah. setup for the whole thing 
<laughs> that is so awesome. Oh, man. It's, it's funny you bring that up, actually. I have a really good friend who lives in Dayton that went to school with Kevin Yeager in the Dayton area, like in the uh, Oakwood kind of area. And he's like, yeah, we were buddies back. Has photos of them together in high school and stuff. And I'm like, that is that is insane, dude. Like, that is so crazy. Well, um, it, it's a lot of that. Because, I mean, we're it's not that big of an area. Yeah, Dayton's got a lot of people, but when you really sure. think about it, it's not that big, you know? No, it's a totally small world type action with that. I mean, the amount of people I've even met um, that are from Ohio uh, at some point or have lived here or know the area. I mean, it, it is, it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause you have the uh, um, behind you. I see you got the, uh, um, Masters of Horror Mausoleum box set. Yes. Yes. I got mine uh, from a, a friend of mine who now works for RJL Entertainment, who basically is one of the big people behind Shudder. And we went yeah. to high school together. I'm like really good for... I Mark, Mark Ward. Mark Ward is his name. And yep. he is my, my cousin Amber and he are married. I lived with him for about a, a year out in LA. That's... Yeah, that's funny because Mark's my uh, um, my friend Zach's uncle, so yeah. we're <laughs> I consider Zach family. Small world, <laughs> yeah. So, like again, you small world. Yeah, and, Mark uh, Mark started working with Shutter exclusively now, and he has they have a partnership with uh, RLJ. Mm -hmm. When I lived in LA, um, I worked with him at RLJ, and my job uh, as an intern there was literally to watch the movies and assist him with choosing which movies they would like end up buying. Cause they were like, Hey, you're the target audience. Mm -hmm. Watch some of these movies and tell us what you think of them and stuff. And uh, that's how like movies like the house is October built. That was one of the movies I picked out and I'm like, Hey, this movie's pretty awesome. And they ended up buying that one. Um, Mark and I still talk pretty frequently with me doing a lot of independent films that um, the kind of stuff shutter picks up all the time. You know, I, I, every time I do something that I, I'm like, man, this is kind of noteworthy. I text him about it and I'll send him screeners and stuff like that too. So it's again, small world stuff, man. That oh, is yeah. super crazy. And yeah, we went to high school together. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. It was funny. Cause one day we were sitting there talking he goes, yeah, I was like, um, man, I was like, cause I kept looking at his friends list on Facebook one time. And I'm like, and it, you know, it'd been a bunch of years since I talked to him, you know, cause I, I didn't sure. quite put the two together. And I was like, you used to hang out with Chris. He's like, yeah. I was like, did you ever hang out with? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, did you ever, you know, hang out over at Chris's house? He's like, yeah. I was like, man, I remember hanging out with these two guys. We played Dungeons and Dragons together. And I was like, yeah, that was me and my buddy Dante. We were. <laughs> so it was like, oh, that is crazy. Yeah. And um, uh, I haven't, I haven't talked to him for a while, but. Every once in a while, he'll he'll like message me and he'll like ask like all about wrestling, and then I won't uh -huh. hear about from him for a while, and then he'll like chime in again about wrestling. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that that's how it is. He and I like every once in a blue moon. I mean, there's so many musical artists and movies and wrestling stuff that he mm -hmm. and I, um, you know, kind of pass back and forth and stuff, and. Um, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll be like, hey, check out this movie. He'll be like, hey, check this out. And he'll be like, hey, you're working on this. You know, when you get a screener, send that to me. Or he'll be like, hey, did you see uh, Dan Housen's with AEW now? And like, just like goofy stuff like that back and forth. Or like, hey, check this album out. And it's, uh, he, he kind of like, 
falls off the face of the earth every once in a while you know yeah. he's super busy guy and oh, um, yeah definitely but it's um you know he's out there doing some really crazy awesome stuff and honestly a lot of what i do now i i really owe to him because he definitely got me linked up with a lot of really amazing people in la who have kind of opened the door for a lot of opportunities i've had over the years and um even though it it, it kind of takes time for those things to happen uh, without his, him introducing me to some of these people, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to do some of the cool stuff that I have. So it's, I am very, very thankful for uh, all the doors he opened for me. Cool yeah. stuff. It's a, uh, yeah, like I said, small world, man. It's just one of the ones you just don't. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, so what are you working on currently? So currently, um, the, I have two projects that I'm, I'm gearing up towards that are shooting in the fall. Um, they're actually going to be shot back to back. One is in West Virginia. It's called Macabre Mountain. Uh, and then the other one is called Watchdog. And I can't say too much about Macabre Mountain right now because they have all they've really done have been like, here's the poster, here's who involved, and that's about it. Uh, but Watchdog is really cool because it's um, it's actually directed by Elsie Holt, who was in Your Next. He was the Lamb Mask Killer mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, this is his second or third film he's directed at this point because he also did one called uh time's up uh late last you know two years ago and um we have felissa rose in that this will be like my at that point in time this will be my fifth or sixth movie i've done with her um we have um west robinson who is in the 2016 uh blair witch film we have um uh, Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which is super awesome. Uh, we have Chaney Morrow, who was in uh, Haunt. He was the ghost in Haunt. Uh, he was also in the most recent um, long-term film as well. Uh, I worked with Chaney on Late Checkout. I worked with LC on Late Checkout. Uh, I've worked with Felissa now in Dark Circles, The Undesirables, Late Checkout. Uh, she's on Macabre Mountain as well, I believe. Um, so Felissa and I, like when we met on dark circles, you know, we, we were vibing really good. And she was like, you know, we need to work together more. And now it's like every 20 minutes, she's like, Oh, are you a part of this project? Well, you are now. And I'm like, awesome. Like, it's crazy. Cause it's like, there'll be like days where I'm sitting there texting her back and forth for like hours. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. You know, um, Another person I've worked with a lot recently is uh, Hannah Fairman, who is in VHS. She was the siren mm-hmm. um, from the Amateur Night with the the Mark yeah, Murphy, the I Like You Girl. She, um, her, and I text pretty frequently, and, I'm like, and I, I tell her all the time, I'm like, dude, when I saw VHS and you scared the shit out of me, never in a million years did I think I would be texting you and like making dinner plans with. Like this is the weirdest thing, you know? It's. Uh, <laughs> It's crazy, but you know, they're all super awesome people and I really like working with them. Um, and Hannah, I've, I've done a couple projects with her as well now, but uh, I just have two coming up in the fall. Um, it's been pretty light this year, which after last year, I was a part of 11 or 12 productions last year. So that kept me really busy. I, people, it blows people's minds uh, from July 1st of 2021 to October 31st of 2021. I was home a combined three weeks in that entire span of time and um like my my day jobs uh one of them fired me that i had at the time because like dude you're never here so like beat it and the other job was like "Eh, it's it's fine 
Um, but it was crazy because uh, two of those three weeks was because I caught COVID on one of the sets I was on and uh, nearly killed me. It was horrible. Um, but I mean, like I said, I mean, it's so busy and go, go, go all the time. So it's nice to kind of have a summer off where I can actually do things with family and friends. Whereas like last year, I was just like, oh, I'm in like Idaho now. So it's like, sorry. Um, uh, but I, I got a few uh, people that I've worked with over the last couple of years that have projects coming up uh, next year um, that I'm pretty excited about. Um, can't say a whole much uh, about them quite yet, mainly because not confirmed on any of that, but some really cool stuff coming up. Lots of slasher movies, um, some creature features coming up. One of them I'm actually going to be announced for this weekend, I can probably say, is uh, it's a movie called It Feeds. And uh, I can't say too much about the monster in it, but it is a creature feature. And we're kind of like comparing it to a very Pumpkinhead style movie, which, you know, if, if you're a horror fan, Pumpkinhead's one of those greats, uh, you know, uh, kind of, I don't want to call it like a lost classic because it's like people do know about it and stuff, but definitely does not get the recognition it deserves because it is a super fun movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's uh, got lots of cool stuff in the works. Um we just got off of late checkout that's in um, post-production right now. And that is a slasher film. That's kind of stylistically uh, an homage to like early two thousands horror. Um, a lot of people like kind of crap on that era of horror, but there was like a lot of really awesome stuff. I thought the house of wax remake was great. So it's like, uh, you know, some of those had great set pieces, uh, awesome soundtracks and like, were filmed very beautifully, very vibrant colors and stuff like that. So we kind of wanted to capture that with this particular film. And we had, like I said, Chaney Morrow and Elsie Holt were both on that. Felissa's in it. Um, and we have, you know, some people uh, that I've been friends with for years, our uh, director of photography, Jaron, um, who I've done a couple projects with at this point. And it was, um, it, it was a ton of fun. That was the most blood I've ever used in a film. We used just under eight gallons. Uh, which was pretty outrageous. Like, I mean, when you compare it to something like Hatchet, where they're using like over 50, like, you know, but for something uh, so independent, so small budget, because our budget on that was only $28,000. Um, it's impressive that we were able to do some of the things we did and for it to look as amazing as it does. Uh, that is the only time I've worked on something where the cast and crew, after witnessing one of these kills, were all kind of just like, oh, wow. You know, like, it's just kind of, kind of uncomfortable because we're just like, man, that kind of bummed me out a little bit. That was intense, you know, but it's like, that's that's the reaction you want. I'm like, man, if we're feeling that way, how are people watching this going to feel? So it was really cool to get some of those reactions. And I, I think people are really, really, really going to like it. And so we're aiming to have that uh, finished by like August, roughly, so we can get start getting it in like the festival circuit and stuff. But um yeah, definitely super excited about that project for sure. Cool, cool. Um, I, I have to ask you this one. What was your first movie that got you into horror? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I want to say, okay, so this is kind of a multi-part question. So I feel like the thing that really kind of piqued my interest obviously like anyone else is going to the video store and seeing those covers you know mm -hmm. uh they don't do movie covers like they used to it's it's like you know some of the indie stuff does but it's like nothing will ever stand out like the jason goes to hell poster with the worm monster on yep. through the mask that one always stood out 
the the VHS cover of Squirm with the skull with all the worms and stuff. Like there are so many cool covers, the Phantasm cover, I mean Reanimator, like all this stuff that really stood out to me. Um, so that was like kind of the start of like pulling me in. But I think the first movie I saw that really made me like horror uh, would probably be between and these are weird ones. Um, Children of the Corn, because I remember seeing that at a pretty young age, and I was like, man, this is, like, spooky. But also the original Halloween 2, which I would argue is probably, to this day, my favorite of the Halloween franchise. Um, But I think the one that made me really want to be a part of it and make the movies is between Reanimator and Day of the Dead. So, you know, um, those two, I think, have incredible effects in them, and yeah yeah the uh bride reanimator is one of my favorite movie series i love reanimator mm-hmm. um but you're right the, the whole the whole um vhs covers my wife and i literally mm-hmm. like an hour ago had that conversation because we were flipping through shutter and uh uh uh, uh was it bloody uh, bloody bloody mary or whatever has her mm-hmm dissolving so she's like from the waist down she's you know skeleton from the waist up she's screaming i was like i would i would remember that vividly <laughs> in the video store in the uh back horror section of uh was it i think it was home video ventures in piqua and i remember going into the uh-huh. <laughs> section and um but yeah you're right the, the 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 horror movie poster art is a uh uh a dying thing it is. And there's a lot of great artists out there that are doing incredible things. Like um, you got uh, Mark from Sadist Art Designs. His his stuff is amazing. Uh, Devin Whitehead, Justin Osborne. There's so many great artists out there doing like homages and, and new stuff in that style. Like I'm, I'm wearing this super sick shirt for the gate, which is like another one that I super, super love. But it's like the art's so cool on that. But it's like nothing quite hits like some of those posters did back in the day you know it's so hard to recapture uh the magic that you feel when you see a lot of that stuff for the first time and there's few, there's even a few movies like i i watch reanimator pretty religiously i'd say i watch it probably once a month just because i enjoy it so much same with day of the dead i, I feel like i can watch both of those non-stop and never get sick of them but I do long for that time when I saw them for the first time and I was just completely mind blown by what I was seeing. And, um, you know, it's like seeing those covers in the store for the first time and and recognizing like, yeah, I'm into this, you know, it's same with like, um, you know, I know you have the comic shop. So it's like, I think about like my first time reading specific comics, uh, my introduction to certain characters and things like that. And it's like the feeling that you get. And um, there's been very few recently that have done that for me um same time same with music you know your first time listening to that you know to that specific artist or album and it's like that magic i I wish i could feel that again and when so when someone sees something for the first time i'm like man i am so jealous of you right now you know it's (laughs) it's legitimately i i'm i've been able to kind of relive that because uh my son he's 22 but he's one ones he socially kind of he didn't like going to big social events sure. and recently i've been able to get him to go to concerts and uh i took him to see slayer's farewell tour down at river bend i was and, there that was a great show yeah 
And he was like, we were sitting there and he was like, and pretty soon you see the head getting hard. And it's like, and then pretty soon the hand was going up. He's like, and he's just, you know, every song. And it's like, yes, I miss That's that. Amazing. I and, love uh, it. I, uh, he, one of his favorite bands, two of his favorite bands are Clutch and The Sword. And we just saw them recently in, in Columbus. And he was, we got him right up front. And I'm like, so he's literally the rail him stage, you know? And I'm like, just sitting there watching it. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that for him though. That's yeah. super cool. So it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, you always see that. Was it living through your children? And I'm like, oh. eh, I am, I guess, but not like, you know, I want you to play sports. I want you to go out and play football. Cause I couldn't play football. <laughs> for sure and it's a little bit different and my dad and i have something similar because you know i'm so my dad right now my dad is 51 i am 27 i'll be 28 soon ish um and you know my dad and i just kind of we we did the same thing we went to shows a lot we listened to a lot of the same music and even though my music tastes have kind of evolved past you know, I've gotten into way heavier stuff than what he's into, but it's like, they're still artists. We always go see together. You know, we go to see Iron Maiden together a lot. It's my favorite band. So it's like, anytime they come through, I see them three or four times when they hit the States. Um, so we do Maiden a lot. You know, we used to go see Megadeth a lot every time they'd come through. And, you know, it's just like, uh, we're going to see Voivod next week because uh, a, a guy he works with is actually opening for them. So we're like, hey, that'll be a cool way to support him and check out a band we hadn't seen before. And, uh, you know, it's that's more I, I don't feel like it's as much like living through your kids as much as like that's like such a bonding thing because music truly brings people together. unlike anything else in the world. And it's like sharing your favorite movies with somebody. And it's like feeling that magic together with someone you care about, someone you love is really important. Um, I, I was actually, I was talking to my girlfriend earlier today. Our first date, you'll laugh at this. Our first date, we saw, it was prong and obituary together down in Cincinnati. And uh, the headliner was Black Label Society. I'm not really a fan, but it's like a huge obituary fan. And uh it was around the time when her and I started talking. I was like, Hey, I got like an extra ticket to this concert. Would you want to go? She's like, well, I've never really listened to these bands. And I was like, it'll be fun. Like, trust me, you'll have a good time. And she's like, never listened to death metal in her life. And when we left, she was like, man, I want more. We got to go see them again. And I'm just like, this was amazing. Being able to share that with someone who's never heard it totally going in blind was incredible. And I I've told her to this day, I was like, I'm going to start just taking you to shows not giving you any background, just like throwing you in completely blind um, just because her reactions are so great with that. So we're, she's coming with my dad and I to see uh, Iron Maiden when they come to Columbus in October. Um, and so we're, we're super excited about that. But, but yeah, I mean, being there and like watching somebody kind of like slowly getting into it and then like evolve with time towards like they want to be right up front, you know, they want to get in the pit, they want to get super into it. And it's, that's a really cool feeling. And I, uh, again, like that's something I wish I could totally experience again, you know, because uh, I mean, I, at this point in time, God, I've been to so many shows and it's like, it's at a point, you reach a point when you're a fan of music where it's like uh, you, your list of bands you want to see kind of dwindles down as you start seeing so many people. And then it's like bands break up, you know, 
members leave, they they um, you know they retire, whatever it is, and then it's like, oh man. Then you get to talk to people who got to see them at some point and stuff, and it's just like not it's just not even fair. <laughs> well, so you know, it's uh, I tell people all the time: if you're even on the fence about going to a show, just do it. Life is too short. Just buy the concert tickets and go. Even if you don't have a plan of how to get to that show, you, you hop on it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a, I'm most I'm ninety five percent a metal guy, you know that. But I love synthwave stuff. Oh, same. And uh, Perturbator is coming, and I'm like sitting there, and it's like the closest they're coming is Detroit. And I'm sitting there, and my son sat next to me. We're at the shop, and I'm like sitting there going, man, tickets are only like 30 bucks. And we looked at where it's at, and it's in this, and I'm like, it's in a club. It's not even in a big place. I'm like, they never come to the States. We're going. <laughs> and I just bought so, I've seen him. I've seen him live. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in 2017. He did a full tour. It was just him, no openers, no nothing. And it was the nearest date at the time was in uh, Detroit. And I was thinking about going. It was at the L Club, real small place. And um, randomly, he added a Indianapolis date. And I was like, well, that's way closer. So I went. And because it was added like not even a week before the date when it happened, it was in a tiny club. Like, dude, I'm not even joking. There was maybe 50 people there. Like, that, that is it. There was, like, nobody there. And, I mean, he blasted out, I mean, probably close to 20 songs. I mean, played a ton of stuff, played some new stuff. And it was a fantastic set. And I'm telling you, the light show, the energy. And now that he has a live drummer with him, absolutely uh, going is, is a great option. I, I'm going with a few friends to see uh, Carpenter Brute up in um, Chicago. Uh, they're playing in Chicago in August, and I'm also seeing them out in um, Las Vegas. I'm going to Psycho Las Vegas as well, um, so that's going to be a good one because I've heard I've heard Carpenter's great live, so I'm super excited about that, especially with that new album, Leather Terror. Which I'm telling you, uh, it's right. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yes, I, I I had to get it on vinyl. That might, no joke, that might be my album of the year because it is like cover to cover. It's a ten out of ten for me. Oh yeah, definitely. It's so good. I mean, Leather Teeth is really good, but that's just this. Just Leather Teeth was too short. There was not enough on there, and I feel like Leather Terror really did it for me. Um, I'm t- and I tell everyone who listens to that transition. Um, from Daystalker into Night Prowler and the mm-hmm. way it just shifts is just, I mean, I almost cry every single time because it is just so fantastic, you know, and I'm just like, I'm really hoping to get, um, hopefully to have Gunship come over here to the States. I'd love to see Gunship live. Um, I have yet to see Dance with the Dead live. I did two t-shirts for them several years ago and uh have yet to see them live even though they come through pretty frequently uh, um so there's so many great artists in that and, I, and it's cool because it's like you know our love for horror it's like horror movie soundtracks mixed with like a tinge of like metal in there and it's, oh, yeah. it's so unique well it, it's it's bad because um i discovered gunship by accident um 
at the shop. I was sitting there just listening to uh, stuff on like Pandora or something. And when the songs kick in, I'm like, man, I like that. I need to. And then, then it's like, then Carpenter Brute Turbo Killer came out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I'm like, holy shit, that's great. And then I started getting in. I was like, man, well, I, I kind of like synthwave because I grew up in the 80s and like every horror movie had a synthwave soundtrack and a lot of the uh, sci-fi stuff did too. And and uh, so I started like, just screw it. I'm buying this stuff. We're going to see how good it is. And man, I, I so far have not been disappointed on anything I've gotten. And uh, I, I mean... There's the new. Oh, that again, another 10 out of 10 album. That is so different from anything else he's done musically, but I absolutely loved it because it was a good balance of like industrial with that synthwave tinge Mm -hmm. in there. And it's like, man, that when, uh, when the single, um, oh, um, what was the single death of the soul? When that dropped, I, I listened to that thing on repeat for, I mean, weeks and when the album finally dropped, I had to pre-order it. And I was like, I have all this stuff on vinyl up to this point. Um, and I just like, I cannot get enough, man. It's it's amazing. The only artist I don't really have anything from is Gunship, but their stuff's kind of harder to get. Um, I got to see The Midnight uh, at, in Indianapolis a couple months back, and they were fantastic. Um, good uh, kind of the poppier go. stuff. Ah. Oh. That's so amazing. Those albums, again, 10 out of 10 albums. Oh, them, yeah. Man, they're so good. I remember um, the first time I heard Woken Furies. Oh. And I was like, what the? Oh, my God. And and my buddies are like, what? You're, you're like the metal guy. I'm like, I know, man. Listen to this. Listen to it. Listen to it. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're like, yeah, I like this. Hell, I've gotten customers at the shop that are like, Tell me when gunships coming through. I was like, you tell me because I need to go to. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it's crazy. And I tell so many people about you know the synthwave movement and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I was like, it, it's everything you love about the '80s musically with mm-hmm. like a tinge of like arena rock in there because it's like these bands should be playing arenas to tens of thousands of people. They because the music is made for that. Oh yeah, and well, um, what like I said when I saw the midnight over in uh, Indianapolis. It was a Tuesday night, a weekday. That place was packed out to the brim. There, It only held a thousand people who were jammed in there. And the crowd was so loud, you could barely hear the music because everyone was just losing their collective, I mean, just absolutely going apeshit for them. And I'm like, dude, th- this, is, this is the next big thing. You get some of these artists on the radio and it's game over. It's going to be the next big thing. Oh man, I tell you what, and it's surprising. Um, I have serious radio, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like looking. I think like, there's got to be a synthwave channel on here. Mm-hmm. No synthwave channel. And I'm like, are you shitting me? I so basically, like everybody comes to me and asks me what they should listen to at the shop, and I'm For telling sure. them like, okay, you need to get this, you need to get this, you need to get this, and then uh, you know, then I go every once in a while because I go through Mondo and Waxworks and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Vinyl. And, uh, God dang it. Um, where's it at? Shit. Uh, oh. Glitch Black. Oh, yeah. That's, that's that a really good one. Um, then I got the, uh, Mohawks, um, the, um, Mohawk soundtrack. 
mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that that you know a movie set in uh, pre America America would be <laughs> a synth wave soundtrack, but it does, and uh, that's a pretty good one. Oh yeah, sometimes stuff you just don't expect that has, I mean, such incredible soundtracks and it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been blown away, especially a lot recently, because there's even some of these artists who are doing um, uh, movie soundtracks and, I mean, knocking it out of the park. Yes, Shockwaves has a great soundtrack. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Wax, between Waxwork and Mondo, I don't know who, who has it better, man, because they both put out some incredible stuff. Well, this is the other one, and you'll love this one. Oh my god, that's so cool! And it's the uh, it's from uh, Terror Vision, and it's the uh, oh my god, has the pop up in it. That yep. is so sick. It's got the the gate, got the big poster and everything. I have uh, it's in, it's in my want list on Discogs. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the trigger on it one of these days. But uh, I, I'm telling you, if you at all are a fan of like old. Uh, I say old, the video game franchise is still gone, but like Resident Evil and some mm-hmm. of the original stuff. There's an artist called uh, Mono Memory who remixed all the save room themes from Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica 4, and 7 and turn them into synthwave songs. And it is so freaking good. I cannot re- recommend it enough. I'll totally send it over to you. Yeah, send it over to you. It's, um, up. Growing up playing the Resident Evil games and how much of an influence those have been on me. It's like hearing the synthwave tracks of the like save themes. I'm like, dude, this slaps. And I, I listen to it at work and all the time. Go, what is this? I was like, this is uh, synthwave Resident Evil. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh it's uh, of course, yeah. amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's just a lot of good stuff out there right now. And uh, absolutely, I, I, I hate to say this, but sometimes I get bored at the shop and I fill out these stupid little questionnaires, and you earn points. Totally. So basically, I just earn a shit ton of points and I buy a new album. I earn a shit ton of points, buy a new album. Because you get free Amazon money. And I'm like, whatever. How can you say no to that? Yeah. I just picked up... Um, I picked Some of it, though, is, the only problem with a lot of the Synthwave stuff is is it's either only mm-hmm. available streaming or mm-hmm. CDs. Um, I had to pick up the Fury Weekend. Um, the... Was it signals and the essentials? It's a mm-hmm. disc, and uh, the only way I could find out was the a CD. And yeah, they do. Uh, go ahead. No, sorry, sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's it's incredibly difficult, and I've and I've learned this recently. A lot of these synthwave artists are either self-releasing, or if they go through a record label, um, it's usually in like super limited increments. There's a record label based out of Ann Arbor called New Retrowave. Mm-hmm. And um, I usually pre-order through them. So it's like, I've got all of Dead Astronauts. I got all their stuff. And um, Destroyer, I have all his stuff uh, along with Stranger. They did at the Night of the Grand House 1 and 2. And like the uh, they also released the In Search of Darkness soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, any time that record label releases anything, it's like, they'll release two versions on vinyl. It's like, one's this color, the other one's this color. And there's only like 100 press of each. And they go so fast. And then it's like the resale on that stuff. Outrageous. Like that Mono Memory album I was telling you about. They only made 80 of them. And the cheapest on Discogs right now is like $250. And am I going to spend that to buy it? Yes, I am. But, you know, it's like, it's crazy. You know, even like, uh, you know, an artist like Carpenter Brute, for example, uh, to get the trilogy album of those three EPs, 
this sells so fast that if you want to get like i'm a color snob with my records i like the colored variants Mm-hmm. To get a colored variant of it, I mean, you're going to spend $100, $150. And sometimes it's just like, I can't justify that knowing I can buy two or three of another, from another artist that I'm looking for, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, uh, it gets intense and the stuff's just super hard to find anymore. Um, and it's like, of course, if they like do re-release it with a different color or, hey, this has a bonus track or we changed the album art, I'm like, shelling out more cash because I was like, well, I need to get that one too. You know, it's, it's, it is bonkers, man. But it's like, of course the CDs are the most readily available. I yeah. guess they're just, you know, easier to make or whatever, but it, it's crazy. Well, what's funny is that, um, I get, you know, I, I'm, I'm got an account through Waxworks. I got an account through Mondo. I got an account through TerraVision. Mm-hmm. And so you get the emails immediately when stuff gets ready to get released. Totally. And I wanted uh, the Dune soundtrack, mm-hmm. the, the Hans Zimmer. And I was like, okay. It, it popped up. It says, you know, available Wednesday. Wednesday. I get online, sold out. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like it's like trying to get like a Mondo poster because I order, a, I have a lot of Mondo posters. I have this like super sick Judge Death one back mm-hmm. here. I've, uh, I have one for the Maniac remake. I have one for, um, uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park and, you know, all kinds of goofy stuff, but it's like, and I'm lucky with some of them, but yeah, it's like, man, it's like the way bots just, I always mess out on all the really good stuff every, every single time, uh, uh, with, uh, I mean, whether it's record, uh, a comic variant or, you know, a poster or whatever, it's like, I, I always seem to get there, like, you know, three seconds too late well that's what killed me a while back uh, <laughs> i uh um oh i was always missing uh, um the tron legacy soundtrack and that thing was like over like 150 bucks and oh, all yeah. of a sudden that's a good one I, I, it like i get a, a notification and it's like amazon available i'm like huh all right order let's see if i get it sure enough i got it it's like sweet Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, Amazon can be a lifesaver sometimes because I remember when the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack got released on vinyl, mm. every retailer everywhere was sold out. And I'm like, shit, I'm not going to get this because I'm going to have to spend 100 150 bucks. But then Amazon said that they had limited quantities available and it was like 30 bucks. So I was like, I'm going to take the risk and just order it and see what happens. And I got it two days later, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I actually got this thing. And so it's like every once in a while, uh, you, you can score pretty big on there. Or even eBay, you know, someone lists something they don't know what it's worth. But I just ordered this one a while back. Yes. And America, it's like 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was like, it was like, oh, it ships from England for 20. I'm like, I'll wait a few days. So- oh, yeah. <laughs> And then the shipping from overseas usually isn't too bad. Like with Carpenter's albums, um, I've ordered all their stuff from the website and it usually gets here. If it's not like a pre-order, it usually gets here within like a week or so. So it's like, I'll totally wait if what it's going to take. I mean, there's been, oh my God, so many different synth albums I've had to order. They've come from like France. They've come from Germany you know, Spain, Portugal, where, wherever. And it's like, sometimes that gets here quicker than stuff within the States. No joke. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, um, 
uh, a retailer I bought from in Portugal that I kid you not, I've ordered stuff on a holiday weekend, a Thursday or Friday, and I've had it by Tuesday. And I'm just like, the shipping's super cheap, so I don't know what the deal is because there's been times I've ordered stuff from Wisconsin and it's taken three weeks to get here. And I'm just, I don't even know, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's crazy how limited the stuff is and how, uh, how people tend to, um, you know, get a hold of that stuff, flip it for super crazy. And it's just, there's clearly a market for it. Mm. Um, and it's like, I'm just like, it, it kind of excited watching, you know, watching it build and watching people get more into this music style. Cause it's like, I remember listening to the first Gunship album week it came out and nobody had a clue. Hmm. And then I was working at Spencer's part-time in 2019 and hearing songs play at Spencer's was so wild because I'm like, man, they've come that far, at least in that amount of time. And, you know, you look like Ghost, for example. You know, I remember listening to their first album when it came out and no one even cared. And now they're one of the biggest metal bands in the whole world. You know, I traveled to Chicago to see them on their first U.S. tour in 2012, and they played at a little dive bar that, like, nobody was hardly even there, you know? And it's like, and then not even 10 years later, see them at an arena show with 80,000 people, and like, this is very bizarre. But it's a cool feeling to watch artists grow and watch that demand grow, because it's like, it's like the true underdog story, you know, something maybe not meant to be that big, get that big. And it's, it's a cool feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's funny because when I started listening to Ghost back in the day, people were like, mm -hmm. I was at work and people were like, man, what are you listening to? I was like, it's Ghost. <laughs> Who the hell is Ghost? And that was back when it was at Ghost BC because they couldn't even use Ghost because there was an American band yep. already named Ghost. And I was like, oh, it's, they're, they're, uh, um, they're like Norwegian and the the lead singer pretends to be Italian and they have this whole gimmick and it's like that's not I don't know I don't see I don't see that taken off and then <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah yeah well it's, I'm it's, not gonna, I grew up listening to Metallica and I, I never thought Metallica would be Metallica you know sure because you know I thought I, I hate to say this I thought their better days were you know 90 and earlier and then i thought everything mm -hmm. but no they're metallica they're the one they're the biggest band in the land you know it's oh it's yeah crazy i i growing up a big metallica fan i got to see them in 20 six, 2016 um uh they played at rock on the range i saw them there and that was that was an incredible experience i only i only stayed for the first few songs because i was working the event and uh, after a long weekend and dealing with storms and stuff like that, it, it, I was not in, like, the best mood. I was, like, soaking wet. There was not a square inch on me that was dry. And I was just like, I feel gross. I want to stay for the first few songs. And I got to see him play some stuff from Ride the Lightning, which is my favorite Metallic album. So it's like seeing Creeping Death and Ride the Lightning both live, like, within the first five or six songs. I was like, Psh, I'm good. Yeah, I, I, can, I can die happy now. Um, so I'd love to catch them again, you know, but it's, um, it's tough because there's so many bands, especially now that are like touring, because it's like, hey, we all went, you know, several years without touring. So we're going to start playing shows now. And it's like, oh, every band in, in history is announcing a tour right now to where you have to start picking and choosing what shows you're going to. And with me working on film, it's made it incredibly hard to go to concerts. I was 
I actually, I have a ticket to see Iron Maiden in LA in November, but I have to sell my ticket because it conflicts with a film schedule that I have. So it's like, I, I have to sell the ticket and that sucks, but it's like, uh, I had some people reach out to me about doing something in October. I was like, I'm seeing this band four times in October. I'm not missing any more of these shows because God only knows how long they're going to be around, you know? So it's like, I, I got to do it. But um, like, you know, like I was saying with that Psycho Las Vegas set, I'm, I'm a big like death metal and black metal fan and stuff. And uh, when I saw Emperor was headlining there, I'm like, they have not been to the state since 07. And they only play two or three concerts a year. I was like, I have to go to this, you know? So it's, uh, it's like I said, man, it, it's crazy seeing all these artists, uh, not only touring now, but even artists that it's like, you never expect to be huge and popular grow and get to that point. And even in such short periods of time. And I think that's kind of one of the ways like streaming and the internet have really helped a lot of these artists out because it's like word travels really fast. You know, you, you go into a comic shop and you hear me like, oh, what's that? I'm going to check yep. them out and tell my friends, you know, you go into a retail store or, you know, you see someone with a cool t-shirt on. You're like, oh, what is that? And, you know, it's uh, that that's kind of how it happens, you know, and it's it's amazing seeing that evolution. I, I can't say it enough. It's It's been so cool watching Synthwave gain the popularity it has over not even 10 years, you know, closer to six or seven. And it's. It, it's it's a really cool thing, and I uh, I am super thrilled to have uh, been there from the start and seen it. But you know, also being directly involved um, with how people you know helping people you know discover these things and introducing my a really good friend of mine and I actually on our arms we got the the carpenter brute uh, symbol on our arms because it's like I introduced him and he fell in love and it's like something we uh vibe with really hard and so it's like man we got to get matching tattoos now and uh it's it's a crazy thing so yeah i mean if you ever get the chance to see any of those artists live i mean i cannot recommend it enough because it's it's weird because it's like you can dance or homage to it whatever you want you know whatever you're feeling in that in that moment and it's uh you know get a little crazy it's it's fun yeah it's well what's funny you were talking about seeing bands you know because they're picking yeah. up this that and the other um you're talking about you met your your girlfriend first date was uh prong and uh obituary yeah um my wife she she kind of gets kind of mad about it sometimes because she said she didn't have a prom because we went and seen slayer oh man <laughs> that was her that was her prom my prom i skipped out on my prom and i went and seen skid row and pantera oh wow and uh, that was right when they were just coming off of. This is before Vulgar Display of Power, mm-hmm. that that uh, uh, Cowboys from Hell, and uh, that was when they were playing Dayton constantly. I saw them like eight times in like two years. Oh, back when Hera was big, you yep. know? Yeah, I uh, we were joking around because uh, I was telling my kids because you know I went to like two concerts in two weeks. And they're like, man, that's a lot of concerts. Dude, I went and seen three concerts in four days. And I was yeah. like, and I had to get up and go to work. So it wasn't like I, you know, missed work. I was like, I remember the last day was a Saturday, but I had to be at work. And it was, uh, I think, um, I, I remember it was like Megadeth, Gwar, Slayer. And that I think Slayer was the was Friday night. Uh-huh. And I'm at work. And I can't hear a word anybody saying to me. People are oh, yelling yeah. at me, and I'm just like, 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, my buddy's like, you can't hear nothing. Not a thing. No, I just hear that real high pitch ring. And that's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it gets crazy, man. Because it's like, especially when you like, like you know, get those shows all in a row and stuff, and and even traveling. Because I think so. Later this year, I get off that movie set for Watchdog, and immediately after that, I have Iron Maiden in Chicago. Day off. Have them in Columbus. Day off. Detroit. And then I don't have them again till like Tampa. And I'm like, those are all pretty close. There was a point where I drove to Chicago to see Maiden. I got off work, drove straight to Chicago. I worked like a really early shift, went to the show, drove home. And like, as I'm getting home, I'm like, wow, I have to leave for work in like an hour and a half. So I guess I'm just going to get a head start and just go. And it's uh, it, it gets crazy with the work schedule sometimes. You know, if you work a job where you got to be in early the next day, because sometimes you don't have that luxury of a flexible schedule. You know, it's it gets crazy. I started so in 2018. Uh, I went and saw Ghost when they were on a they were on a um, like an evening with Ghost tours. Just them. They played like almost 30 songs, two full sets. It was amazing. But it's like, I had to be up at 5 a.m. to get ready for work the next morning. And I'm like, I am going to hate myself tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to hear. I'm going to be exhausted. And But it's all worth it. It is totally worth it when you get to see some of your favorite artists or just get to experience a cool show in general. You know, it's um, there's nothing like seeing live music ever. No. I like have never been able to compare anything to it. It's like literally the best feeling in the whole world it's live music is great and it's i had to take time off because my my old job just i could not couldn't get days off couldn't do nothing and i'm like man nothing like getting up so now i'm like hey i make my own hours i go hey mark you're gonna work on thursday okay bye i'm going So that's that's the cool thing about, you know, being either self-employed or running your own business, man. It's like, oh, I'm going to make it work. (laughs) That's right. You're going to you're going to go whether, you know, no one else like I'm sitting there. I looked at Mark. I was like, yeah, um, there's a week in August. You're working two days that week. I was like, because I'm going to a concert on Monday and then uh, I'm going to a comedy show on Thursday. So you're going to be there two days. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah, now we got way, way, way off topic here. No, um, it's totally cool. Um, all right. Here, here, here's, here's what I always ask. I, I ask all my horror uh, hosts and stuff like this. I guess I can ask you this. Totally. You're going to make a movie. Uh-huh. Money's no object. Who are you hiring to be in your movie? Man. That is a really good question. You know, oh man, that's tough. That is really tough. For sure, if there's if money is not an option, uh, for sure, uh, Imogen Poots, because she was in the Fright Night remake. She was in 28 Weeks Later. She was also in Green Room, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, she's amazing and everything ever. And I was, I'm actually working on a movie next year where we actually had reached out to her agent about getting her in it. And I was really pushing for it, uh, but she was a little too expensive. So, you know, you know, we weren't able to pull it off, but her for sure. 
Um, oh, God. That is a really hard one. If he was still alive, I would say um, Anton Yelkin, just because he was so incredible in everything ever. Um, Elijah Wood, for sure. I really like Elijah Wood. And for sure, Jeff Goldblum. I am a big Jeff Goldblum fan. I uh, love him to death. So I'd love to see him and, and more horror stuff because the closest we ever got is, is The Fly. Uh, and, you know, he did, um, what was that one? He did one called Hideaway, which I haven't Mr. seen Frost. in years. Mr. Frost. Uh, and then, like, Jurassic Park. But it's like, I feel like seeing him in something a little bit more balls to the wall, like, closer to, like, The Fly, where it's like you can get really crazy and weird with it. I would love that. Um Man, I want to say Willem Dafoe, too, because after his performance in The Lighthouse, I'm just like, put him in more horror-oriented stuff, you know? It's like, give him a little bit more room to do whatever, because he is just, he is a madman, and I love him. Um, Nick Cage, I, I'm a big Nick Cage fan, I don't care what anyone says, I think he's amazing. He is, awesome. um, he, he is honestly, and he's been on a roll lately, because between uh, Willy's Wonderland... Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Mandy. Mandy is incredible. It's, it's probably my movie of the year from 2018. Um, but also, you know, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, um, Color Out of Space. I mean, he's just been on one recently where he is like really doing an incredible job with some of the stuff he's doing. And he never phones it in, no matter how crazy, no matter how goofy or silly, he never phones it in. He's given that 110%. I love that. Um, so I, I think he just does not get enough credit that he deserves. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, I think he's a very talented guy. Um, so yeah, I think those, those are some of the people I would bring in for sure. Just cause I, I love them so much. And it's like, Hey, if you have the money to get the people you want, bring those people in for sure. What's funny is, uh, talking to people who've actually been able to do that. They're like, we got, you know, oh, such and such for three days. We're using it. We got it. <laughs> he happened to be in the area. We reached out to his management. They said, we got him for three days. And I'm like, hey, man, if you can do it, do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, it never hurts to reach out. And, and sometimes, depending on, like, the level of work that person has, um, you can work out deals sometimes. Because, you know, um, I've got to work with so many people that I've looked up to over the years. And, uh and, and having now being in a place where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm working with some bigger names, some kind of industry people. And it's like, well, now we'll kind of want to reach out and see what's the next tier like, you know, and what's it like from there? And like kind of start reaching out to bigger names. And you'd be shocked how willing to kind of wheel and deal people are based on your budget and how many days they're needed. Um, there is a, and I'll tell you once we're off air who it is. Uh, but for a movie I'm, I'm doing next year where I'm producing and I'm serving as special effects, there's a pretty decent sized name we reached out to to be in it. And her agent was, was like talking to us and they're like, well, really, we asked for this much. But, you know, if your budget's based here and you guys can take care of this and this, we can do it for this much. And we're like, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Let's do that. Um, so we got a letter of intent from her and everything. So it's like when we pitch that to other producers who have the money and stuff like that we could be like hey you know she signed a letter of intent so it's like she's attached it's just we all we need at this point is the money to actually make the movie and it's uh 
it, it's kind of mind blowing how, how all that operates and stuff. And it's, it, it's been a wild ride learning about that and, you know, just how easy it can be if you directly reach out to the person or if, you know, you talk to an agent or if the agent's just like, yeah, we'll get that info to you. And then they ghost you forever. Uh, Cause that happens as well. Uh, Kiernan Shipka, we from uh, chilling adventures of Sabrina, we mm-hmm. reached out to her for a project. And her agent straight up ghosted us. And I was just like, well, that's that's cool, I guess. I mean, I really wanted her in this, but whatever. Um, so, you know, it's, and it, it, it is what it is. And, you know, for every no, you just move on until you get a yes. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the name of the game sometimes. But it's um, it, it totally blows my mind. Just, like I said, how easy it can be of just, like, shooting someone in a message. And they're like, oh, yeah, totally. And it's like, oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I I, uh, I reached out to Barbara Crampton for a script I had written, uh-huh. and uh, I you know I was like that you know whatever. She's like, well, send send me a treatment. And I'm like, okay. So I sent her a quick synopsis of the movie and stuff like that. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, what what are you working? I'm like, I I don't know. I haven't even started really yet, even looking at trying to film this. And I was like, you know, I was just I wrote it with you in mind, and I was like, uh-huh. that was just what. I, and she's like, oh, I love it. I'd love to do this. And I'm like. And my one buddy's like, man, if you got Barbara Crampton, that's that's bank. He's like, you can oh, yeah. get money with that. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm in way over my head. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing how quick it moves. And then you're just like, oh, I didn't think I would get this far, but this is cool. You know, it's it's Barbara's awesome. I, I met her at a con years ago. She's she's super, super cool, and I would love to work with her. And it's just like it, like I said, man, just like what you did there, it's just reaching out to someone, just hoping to maybe talk to them about it and pitch mm-hmm. it, and, you know, see what they say. And then they're like, oh, yeah, totally. And it's like, what? <laughs> I had I had uh, did a, a treatment because I love the Blind Dead movies. Oh, yeah. And so I wrote a, a, a partial script treatment for a, a, a direct sequel to the last one. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was going to take place in America. It was going to be, you know, and uh, I had, you know, it was like, oh, you know, where? and I, I had somebody who was like, hey, send it to such and such. I'm like, oh, okay. So I sent this basic, like, think 13 page treatment. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we really like it. Um, what, what kind of budget are you looking at? I'm like, uh, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, they're like, well, let, let's, you get a budget because right now it's not a, uh, well, uh, what they say um not a franchise that people are really looking for but it does have sure. some name so you might be able to get some money to make a sequel and i'm like oh okay so i'm like i'm just this dude sitting in my basement writing on my oh you know and i'm like i just i never thought it would get that far and um you know i had one who was like you know okay we can look at it the budget and i had one person who was like nah it's uh that's a, you know, I'm like, that you actually read this treatment is something that I did not think anybody would ever do in their entire life. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's, like I said, man, it, it it's crazy. And, like, The Blind Dead, like, talk about a, a franchise that is, like, super awesome, very underrated, that I feel like could benefit from being rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those out there. And uh, one that I was actually attached to for a hot second um, is... A friend of mine was writing a, a kind of a remake sequel, kind of like a recall type thing to uh, Necromantic. 
had reached out to the director for the, I even pronounced the guy's name, but I've reached out to the director about it. And he's like, if you give me a treatment, he's like, I'll totally sell you guys the rights to do it. He's like, but I want to approve the script and the treatment, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but he ended up, I mean, he got the script done and the director was okay with it. Wanted him to change some stuff, but he kind of just like abandoned it. I'm like, dude, you might've had something there. Like, why'd you just give up on it? And it kind of broke my heart. Cause I was like, that could have been something really, really cool. Cause I like the direction he was taking it, but you know, it's like, again, you know, people kind of, you know, change, you know, their opinions on things. And, you know, someone might be like, Oh, you need to go here with it. And then they're like, ah, I'm not really feeling that. But, but, but yeah, it's, um, you know, there's been a few movies that it's like, I've personally been like, man, it'd be cool to remake this or whatever. And it, at one point, um, I was like pretty dead set. Like, man, I want to write a reanimator remake. It's like, I love it. And I feel like I could do it justice without like mucking it up and whatnot. But apparently, um, I have a friend who was in the Castle Freak remake. And she told me that the same production team is working on a reanimator remake. And they're going to be shooting it uh, within the next year. And I told her, I was like, listen, I don't ask for favors very often, but get me on that movie for the love of God. Like, I need to work on that. Even if I'm just a PA, I don't even care. I need to be on that. And it's, uh, you know, but it's like, there's so many, uh, so many remakes that happen. It's like, and I'm not one of those people that's like super harsh on them. Cause it's like, I, I give everything the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, you have something like Firestarter, okay? And I'm just like, the original was all right. And I'm like, that's something that could benefit potentially. Uh, you know, with the with when they did the Evil Dead remake, you know, a lot of people were real up in arms about them. Like, you know, give it a chance. And I ended up really, personally, I really liked it. I like it too. That's the thing. Yeah, and you know, the Maniac remake, which is mm -hmm. such an off the wall yeah. thing. And I think the remake's better than the original. And I catch a lot of shit for that. But dude, the, the remake is so good. <laughs> I love it. It's it's one of my favorites, you know, and uh, I think they're just sometimes like, okay, but example of a really bad one, the Carrie remake. Yeah. Why would you even remake Carrie? And it's like shot for shot, the same thing. And it's like not even believable. It's terrible. And, cool. you know, but it's like you get some like the Blind Dead uh, franchise or like, um, you know, Reanimator or Castle Freak or even something like along the lines of the Prowler. It's like, take some of the stuff that's like people like, and there's a fan base for it, but it's like, how can you amp that up and bring attention to the original while also making something new that people are really going to be interested in? Uh, I thought that was an interesting thing they did recently uh, with the, the film, the mutilator, uh, the sequel just shot in North Carolina uh, recently. It was shooting close to the same time we were doing late checkout. Cause I had a couple friends that worked on it. And, um, you know, I'm just like, you know, same director came back to do it. A lot of the same writers and the same cast. And I'm like, you know, that's doing a sequel right. Or like a remake or a sequel. It's like get the original people involved. That way their hands are there so it doesn't go too out of whack, you know. Because if they have some level of involvement with it, they're not going to let it be terrible. Um, you know, so it's like I, I always try to look at some of those obscure ones that I'm like, man, maybe no one's heard of this. Or... You know, it has a fan base, and how could we bring more eyes to this and make people, you know, really dig it? And and the Blind Dead films, I I think those are super cool, and I, I think a remake would be super awesome, or even just like do kind of what they're doing now, where they're like retconning certain stuff, and like this is a direct sequel to this or whatever, and it's like 
I'm, I'm even cool with that stuff, you know? So it's, I, I think you, you got me like excited about that. I'm like, take my money, make this a thing. <laughs> well, it's like uh, another thing I, I kind of did a treatment for, but I wanted to do, I, I love the demon movies, which you got your little poster behind you. Yeah. Demons is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I've have like a bunch of the other demon movies, like the sect and, and the church and, uh, oh, yeah. the ogre. And, um, cause there's, <laughs> you know, demons three, the ogre demons three, the church or demons three, you know, and I thought the church was awesome. I love, the oh, church. I love the I church. Mean, that movie rocks. Um, but I wanted to make a direct, make another sequel to demons. Cause <laughs> you know, the, what happens after they leave the theater? Oh Yeah. Yeah, because it just kind of... and then Demons 2 kind of feels like its own thing. It doesn't feel super connected with the first one. At least I, I didn't feel so. I like Demons 2, mm-hmm. but it does not hold a candle to the first one oh, no. at all. But yeah, I would love to make a, a direct sequel to when they leave and they go out and, you know, you have to figure out how to, you know, the, the whole, just the world covered with demons. And yeah. I would love to do that and but they've never went with that and i don't know if they ever will but i'm telling you with 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 lombardo bava still being alive i feel like they're because that's my poster is actually signed by him i got to meet him back in 2012 2013 somewhere in there and um i feel like that now would be the time for somebody to reach out and be like hey can we please get your blessing to do this for the love of god now it's uh because I always thought that was cool, too, because it's such a cool way to end that movie, to have it, you know, kind of spread throughout the city and stuff. And, and it's just like, what would happen next? And, and I read a treatment recently. Uh, someone, I want to say it was with Fangoria or Bloody Disgusting, did like a fantasy 13-page treatment for what happens at the end of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Like, what happened? Because the movie ends so abruptly. It's like, what happened after that? And he came up with this super crazy story that it's like all the kids that kept the masks on like melted and then like mutated into these giant insect-like monsters and like started like attacking and eating their parents and stuff like that. And it's like, it, it was only like so many pages, but he's like, you know, in my brain, this is what happened after. I'm like, that's actually super cool and someone needs to do that. You know, it's, because there's been so many standalone movies that have either never gotten sequels or gotten sequels that weren't really connected to the rest or a movie in a franchise that stands out like your season of the witch or like Friday the 13th part five, a new beginning that it's like, they're so unique to themselves that it's like, how can you take that and run with it and go somewhere, you know, yeah. a movie I've always wanted a sequel to. And at one point I was like, kind of attached to doing uh effects for it was behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon that is one of my all-time favorite movies and um back uh my friend christy uh who uh was there uh the publicist for scott glosserman at one point i did some artwork for the movie and it's used on the like um the digital release so if you go on amazon and look it up the artwork they use is actually my artwork which was super crazy but that was around the time when they were talking about doing a sequel. And, you know, they were like, you know, we'll have you on and help out with the effects and stuff like that just to help you kind of build your career. And, um, you know, but nothing ever came of it. You know, he decided not to go anywhere with it. I'm just like, you know, 
especially now that it's been released on Blu-ray with like Scream Factory and all that, I feel like it's kind of rekindled this love with it being on, you know, Shudder. I feel like all these people have kind of discovered it for the first time and become fans. I'm like, now's the time to do it with it kind of, you know, building that popularity again. And I think that's the hardest thing with doing that sort of thing is like knowing when is a good time you know is is the fan base still there do people care do people still see it you know and i think every once in a while you know someone gets lucky with something and and they they hit and it it ends up being a a big deal you know and people end up really loving it and it's like you have it easy with movies like with like when they did the reboot for halloween and halloween kills and all that stuff and it's like obviously that's going to be a no-brainer people are going to be all about it but making something like you know, a remake, like, talking early 2000s with, like, House of Wax or, like, My Bloody Valentine, and it's, like, how you get people to get super interested in those kinds of things. It's, it's, uh, it's, like, it's a gamble, and it's kind of like a game. You kind of got to play with it and see, like, what's popular, what are people into right now, and, like, right now, it seems like people are almost geared more towards, like, original stuff. You know, you have your movies like Hereditary, Midsummer, The Witch, The Northman, and you know, the lighthouse and it's just all that kind of stuff. And it's like that style of horror is huge. You know, Jordan Peele stuff with like us and get out. And now the note that's coming out. And it's just like, I think it's cool that people are as interested in original ideas as they are now, probably equally as much as they are with like remakes and sequels, but seeing original stuff get as big as it is, it kind of gives you hope for the uh for the film community as a whole that it's like cool we're gonna start to get some i you know original stuff flown because it's actually doing well um but i did see today that they just announced a remake of uh arachnophobia and uh which is a movie i can't watch i can't because i'm terrified of spiders so every time i watch it i have a panic attack and i have to shut it off um but the director of happy death day and freaky is going to be doing it. So it's like, I liked those movies. So it's like, I'm open to it. You know, maybe this one will give me a heart attack as well. Who knows? <laughs> oh, well, it, it, it's, it's funny. Cause <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm old school horror. I've been horror sure. fan since I was, you know, little kid. Well, not little, little kid, but um, I, I wish we would get the uh, old school, like, coming of age horror movies you know like the gate and lost boys and stuff like that and yeah you know people go well you got stranger things it's like stranger things is the exception to the rule i was because that's the oh, only sure. and that's a that's a series on netflix it's not a one-off movie um i wrote a script for sitting around here somewhere it's literally i literally write scripts i don't write i don't type i hate typing um so i have like a script for a coming of age movie you know and it takes place on how it's like the last trigger treat i think i, I think it's a working title right now mm -hmm. and um you know i'd love to bring something like that back too you know, absolutely I don't think we have those anymore uh, actually i don't think you know outside of like i guess you know, feel good movies. There's no really coming of age movies, uh, but yeah. Well, and it's just... easy. It's easy for a series like Stranger Things to do that because they have so much time to get you super invested mm -hmm. in, into these characters. That it's like, come on, that's that's easy. Um, the last thing I can think of that kind of 
what was like a big deal that people were talking about watching was the summer of 84. Uh, people were kind of into that, but it even didn't go to that quite coming of age as much as it could have. No. Um, and like Turbo Kid kind of had some of the feelings and stuff and the feel good stuff in there, but it, again, yeah. did not hit the way it could have. Um, I worked on one back in 2021. I say that like it was six years ago. Um, oh, uh, it's called Date. No, oh, God. Yeah. If, if anytime I think of 2020 or 2021, it's like I can hear the choppers. Um, I worked on a movie back uh, in 2021 called They See You, um, directed by Tori Jones. And I, I'm telling you, he's starting to do on an independent level uh, a lot of like coming of age stuff. And he's mixing it with horror really well. The best way I can describe They See You is it's like, has like, it's like a cross between um, Tales of the Crypt, Demon Knight, meets It Chapter One, with some Monster Squad, like, sprinkled in there. And it like, in the best way possible, um, I have a copy, I'll have to let you check it out. And it was a ton of fun to film, because it's like, it's totally coming of age, but it's like, also like, relatable in the way the kids talk and stuff like that is like super witty and funny but it's also like super violent there's a pretty nasty head stomp in the movie that we had a blast filming uh but he just did another movie this year that i was not involved with called uh phantom fun world that's like kind of like has scooby-doo vibes but also has like the five nights at freddy's kind of vibe to it but it also has like some coming of age sprinkled stuff uh, in there and it's like people have been liking that what he's been doing with that so much as far as like our indiegogo backers and the people who are catching these movies at festivals and stuff and that that's getting such good reviews that he's starting to push more into that direction and it's like the horror elements are still there but it's like a lot of it's centering around coming of age type stories that people can relate to and um, I, I want to see more of that because, like, The Lost Boys, dude, that movie's, like, one of the best ever, you know. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, like, The Goonies. You know, I really like The Goonies. But it's, like, I, I want to see some horror elements sprinkled in there. And I think It Chapter One did that so well with, you know, combining the, you know, being a kid with, you know, the horrors of real life and this unseen horror as well. And it's just like, it's so well done. And it's just like, I, the formula's there and there's so much great media to pull from for inspiration and to see how it's done. Why not? Well, the thing is, though, is, is we can all relate to being a kid. Mm -hmm. we, we've all gone through it. We've all gone through, you know, you know, some of us went through shit. Some of us didn't go through shit. But mm -hmm. to every kid's mind, even the littlest bit of crap you go through is just colossal amount of shit that you just oh, yeah. climb through. And, um, you know, cause we always joke around about, you know, when you're growing up, every moment seems like a lifetime. Absolutely. So you feel like you're never going to get any older. You feel like you're going to be stuck. You know, you know, I, I joke around. I was like, man, I was like, I remember being a kid and waiting for the star Wars movies to come out and it felt like a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it was two and a half years. You know, it was two years. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and now I sneeze. It's like, ah, two years later. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, you're not even kidding right now. I feel like the last five years of my life have gone by like that. And I'm like, and everyone's like, dude, just wait. It gets worse. I was like, don't tell me that. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's like the other day. Um, 
I was going on Facebook and uh, my store's 10 year anniversary is next month. I'm like, oh, geez. 10 years. It's not right. And I'm like, look back at my dates. I'm like, man, I've been self-employed for eight years. You know, this is the longest job I've ever had is now working for myself. Uh, my, my son who just wandered in back here a little bit ago, you know, he, he's, he's 11, he's going to be 12 soon. And it's like, Holy crap. He was just born not too long ago. Holy crap. You know? And I just start looking at it and it's just boom, 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 boom. Everything is faster. And it's like, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And when you look back on being a kid and just, I, it, it's crazy. Cause I used to work with kids a little bit. I worked at, in Piqua actually at the YMCA youth center there and just kind of like overseeing them, making sure they didn't like get in fights and stuff like that. And just mm. kind of being a positive influence influence and it's like i was 21 22 at the time i was fairly young but it's like i remember hearing those kids who were like 12 and 13 complain about some of the stuff they did and i'm just like guys that's not that big of a deal and they're like oh it's the end of the world and i'm like no dude you don't even know and now it's like i now i'm like i'm, I'm almost 30 my girlfriend's 35 and she has a 10 year old son and hearing about the stuff he talks about, I'm just like, oh my God, I remember going through that. Or I remember dealing with that at school or experiencing this in my life or thinking that was a big deal. And I'm just like, I, looking back, it's like, God, that felt like an eternity. That felt like the end of the world. And now it's like, I look back and I laugh. And I'm like, that wasn't shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's so crazy. Um, and I think since we've all lived through being kids, Mm -hmm. And we can all look back on that with either happy memories or the bad or look how we made it through this or look how awkward that was. And when we get to relive that in a movie, it's like it's it's very endearing and very entertaining sometimes, especially when it's written in a very quick witted way and written in a fun, creative way that makes you resonate with those kids and that's what makes stranger things so good i think you know and it's not my favorite thing in the world but it's like man those kids are super relatable it's like we all we were all friends with those people well what's funny is have you, have you watched any of this season i have not oh. well it doesn't get i need to i need to <laughs> i burnt through it relatively quickly um but there's a kid he's a kid he's he, he's a dude named eddie and he is the heavy metal Dungeons and Dragons guy, and I'm like, that was me, man. Oh yeah, that was you know. I I joke around because my buddy keeps sending me little things from the Satanic Panic era, and I'm like, I was really bad at that. I was like, man, I was in D and was in heavy metal, I was in the horror movies. You know, I wore black. I did all this stuff, and I was like, I, I didn't worship Satan, and I didn't sacrifice nobody. I'm just really bad at this. <laughs> it, it's you know, it's funny you mention that because it's like obviously everyone and their mother's watching it and it's like i i remember you know people talking about like you know all these different characters in the show and stuff like that and how relatable it is blah 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 whatever but when eddie munson came in and i see everyone posting about it and the amount of people are like Brett, that's you and i'm like and i want to make a post that's like hey now that you know eddie munson's cool and you always you all think he's like the cool singer how about you go back and apologize to all the metal kids you were mean to in high school now that it's cool. Like it's just cause oh. it's like, I like, I have looked and acted like this guy since 
my whole life and i'm like wow now it's cool it, it's so entertaining to me how much people are like loving that and he's like the fan favorite right now everybody's oh, yeah. talking about him and it's like i've seen clips and it's like i've watched little things here and there and i'm like this is fun and i like it but it's like back at that time god if you you were like that during the satanic panic they're like your parents were freaked out you know, your your school counselors, they were freaked out. Like, they thought for sure you were killing people. Like, it's, it's it, and again, kind of looking back, you know, with my dad being in his 50s, you know, he, he grew up in that time. And he's all like, man, he's like, if I was your parent back then, he's like, all of this would be very problematic. And he's like, looking back, he's like, I didn't think it was a big deal, but I remember your grandma freaking out when I brought home the Motley Crue Shout at the Devil album with the big black pentagram on it. She had a fit, and your grandpa came in and talked to me about it, and it was just like, oh my god, it's hilarious, because it's like, now I convinced my grandma to buy me black metal albums on vinyl, and she has no idea. It's hilarious, um, because I'm like, that's the really satanic stuff, but it's... Uh, Man, it, it's it is so much fun seeing just the dynamics and uh, just the the variety of characters in something like Stranger Things and how well they're not only capturing like that time period. Obviously, I didn't grow up then, but I watch a lot of stuff. You learn a lot, read about it. Know people who have, but then just like also make these characters so relatable. Like God, I was friends with that person for sure. You know, that person reminds me of this person or what have you and i think you know uh it's like that when you watch a lot of different stuff and i think the 80s was the best at doing those coming of age type things you know again like you got the goonies you got the lost boys you got monster squad adventures of babysitting and it's like you name it it's there yeah, yeah. and it's just like it, it's so hard to recapture that but there there is media that's out there now that i think does it right it's like I want I want more of that because it's just I feel like it's just it's right for our time, especially with how nostalgic people are about things. It's like every 20 minutes I was like, oh, I remember when this was a thing or you get those uh, ads on YouTube. That's like, you know, these 15 commercials from 1995 or whatever. And then you go back and it's like, wow, there was a primitive memory. I didn't even realize I remember that, you know. It's like going back and watching a cartoon that you're a fan of as, as a kid, you know, it's, hey, it just, all of that just <clears throat> comes back and hits you. I, I do my youth, my, my two YouTube shows. I, I do one called sci Fridays, which I take old sci-fi shows, not even really that old stuff from the, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, in the two thousands. And uh, people love it. But the one that I get, I do a like horror. I was going to do a horror host, but I decided not to, because there's good ones out there and I didn't even want to mm -hmm. try to be, one um, <laughs> so i ended up doing one I, I do my show called saturday morning serials and i sh show saturday morning cartoons in blocks with commercials like the four hours that you used to get on a saturday morning so it's like eight episodes plus i'll tack something on to see if i can get it past youtube to be able to air it um so i do that and i got people who were like you know oh my god this was my my Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, and how thank you. And I'm like, th that's why I'm doing it. It's because I'm my goal is to save all this stuff because some of it's lost. Oh, totally. Yeah, like Turbo Teen. There's like six episodes of 13 that are available. Um, uh, insane. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I do that because I'm 
I, I joke around. I say I'm a historian. My goal is to keep make sure that s- this stuff does never disappears. For uh, sure. And uh, my wife hates it because she's like, "Where are you gonna put all this shit?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> it does it doesn't matter right now. It just gonna, doesn't sure. matter till I run out of space. I was like, because <laughs> at, at my shop, I have a store. I have my storage there, so my bunch of my comic books are there. My VHS collections there. My Laserdisc collections there. Um, some of my DVD collections there, most of my DVD collections here, if it's not boxed up and put away and my Blu-ray and all that fun stuff. Um, and then my comics, which are stacked up over here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely a child of the eighties. I am a, I love that era. Um, like you, you say your dad's what 51. Yeah. I turn, I turn uh, 48 in just a handful of days. So, okay, so pretty close, yeah. We're, we're, we're really close, and um, I still play Dungeons and Dragons to this day when I came. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm still a metal guy, still love my horror movies. Um, somebody asked me one day, they're like, so, you know, what's different from you from high school? I'm like, well, I'm married and I got kids now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I'm, I'm one of the guys that, that what was it? Um, somebody said, just because you grow older doesn't mean you have to grow up. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Um, I am a firm believer is, is I take care of my family. I take care of my bills. I take care of all my other crap I need to take care of. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, life's too short not to enjoy yourself. I and totally agree. If I'm sitting there watching a horror movie, if I'm reading a comic book, if I'm watching a cartoon, whatever. You know, people are like, man, when are you going to grow up? I was like, the day before I die, probably. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out when we get there, you know, and it's just, you're totally right. Life is too short to not enjoy the things that you love, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I, I, I game online with my friends because it's like a lot of them have moved away or, or gone off to other places and stuff, or sometimes we just get so busy that it, it's hard to definitely know get together with people and that's why zoom's awesome for like like you said you play D, you know it's a great way for everyone to get together and be able to do those things where because it's like oh my god trying to arrange a meeting with your adult friends is like impossible you know so it's like you know we game online and uh sometimes we talk about it, it's like you know every week it's like, oh, wow, this person just got married or this person just had kids. And I always make the joke because it's like all my friends are getting married and having kids and stuff. And they're like, Derek, when are you going to settle down? And I was like, you know, get married, have, have kid, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, man, I have a kid right now and it's me and I got to take care of this inner child because it's like, and I always make the joke that it's like, it's when you run into people when you're like out and about and they're just like, oh, we just had our second kid, just bought a house. What are you up to? And I'm like, I'm getting paid to throw fake blood at people <laughs> like it's, that is that is my life um and but it's like you, you know like you said you, you don't you can grow old you don't have to grow up it's like you know i i feel like it's kind of ingrained in our brains that like when you become an adult it's like you have to give up the things you love you have to give up the things you care about and it's like you have to pay bills and work until you die and it's like there's more to life you can oh, yeah. still do those things and have fun on the side. I mean, there is enough time. There is enough room for you to do the things you love and care about. And I feel like, especially like my generation, you know, the kids kind of late 20s or early 
thirties, you know, that range are really doing a good job of like setting that in uh, precedent and actually going through with that. And it's like, I'm, I'm seeing it a lot more that people are like, you know, spending the time on the things they care about while being adults as yeah, well. Yeah. And I, and it's just like, I, I can't support that enough. You know, it's just, that was the scariest part about being a kid is, is thinking like, Oh man, someday I'm going to grow up and I can't read comic books anymore. I can't watch cartoons anymore. And it's like, no, I'm not going to stop doing that. Like I'm still going to watch cartoons if I want to. And, you know, ever since I got HBO plus where they have all these old cartoon network shows they used to watch growing up, I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. I'm going to binge all of this this weekend. You killing me. Uh, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, it's crazy. So it's, um, I always love meeting other people who are, you know, into that same stuff that, you know, you know, a few years older than me or significantly older that like stick to it. And, you know, when you go to a concert and see someone who's like 60, you know, there and enjoying it. And it's just like, oh, my God, there is hope. And uh, I'm looking at it right in front of me. You know, it's it's again, it's one of those feelings um, that you know you can't really compare it to anything else and it is kind of that that hopeful feeling that it's like okay uh life isn't all drab and awful and you know i can grow up and be an adult but i can have fun while doing it and there's nothing wrong with that oh yeah yeah it's it's um um what was it we were talking about this because and it was it was on an episode of the goldberg which i thought was hilarious um <laughs> The, the son looks at the dad and he goes, because he, he sold like his dad's like stamp collection to, to buy. <laughs> yeah. And um, he goes, I get it now. He goes, he goes, it's the reason I don't, you know, I still got my toys. He goes, it reminds you of a simpler time when you didn't have <laughs> bills, when you didn't have to worry about going to work, when you didn't have to do this, this and this. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's great. And it's funny because like you with, you, you know, your job and stuff, I actually got to kind of brag today to uh, one of my old bosses. Mm-hmm. he's like what are you doing now and i was like man i was like you know i do great my store does really good i mean especially for pickwood does really mm-hmm. good and um he goes really that much and i was like well literally i make in two months what it used to make take me an entire year to make i was like i have all the i have free time i can spend time with my kids i can spend time with my wife i, I you know i got hobbies now that i can enjoy i can go to movies and go to concerts I was like, man, when I had a full-time job, I just worked to work. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. hate that. I was like, I'll never do that again. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I, I have so many friends that have done what you do. You know, they start a business. And, you know, I, I have a really good friend who lives in Dayton uh, that I used to live with. And he was working at the Dorothy Lane Market. I mean, for his whole life, it was the only job he ever had. So he'd had it since he was like 16 or 17. And he's like his mid-30s now. So his whole life, that's all he knew. And there was a point he got injured at work. He had to do workman's comp and his job gave him all kinds of shit for it. Mm-hmm. And they were treating bad and like acting like all weird. And he's like, and he wasn't being shitty about it. All he said was, I want the money to cover my medical bills that isn't covered by insurance. And it was not even that much money, like at all. And his job was being weird. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. He got the money. And as soon as he got taken care of, he quit the job. And he's, and he loves to clean. Like he cleans his house like three times a week. And it's like cleaning. There's something satisfying about that. So he started a cleaning business and that's what he does full time. That is his job now. And he makes more money than what he made at that old job. And it's like, 
I, I couldn't be more proud of him. There's times where I go on jobs with him and he'll clean houses. He cleans for Airbnb. He cleans people for like move in, move out, all that good stuff. And it's like, I mean, he makes a killing with it, you know? And with what I do, it's a little bit more niche, but it's like, I get the opportunity to work and be involved with things that I care about. And in, oh, yeah. in a, um, in like a, uh, what's the right word? Like a community that I mm -hmm. love to be a part of. And it's like, I still have a part-time job that I keep on the side for in-between gigs, but it's like, I make good money. Last year, you know, I did pretty solid. And then this year it's, it's already better. And it's like each year I do it, I, I see it like kind of snowballing and getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, you know, it's almost like people forget that when you, when you do grow up, when you do become an adult, it's like, that doesn't mean you have to get some dead in office job. It's like everything you dreamed of doing when you're a kid, you can still do, do that. You have your whole life to chase that and do it. It's like, you know, sometimes I get, and I, and I like anyone else, you know, we can be self-critical if, if you're an artist or if you're pursuing a dream or something you care about, it's easy to kind of be hard on yourself sometimes. Think like, man, I'm not progressing the way I want to and stuff. But it's like, you know, you see like those posts on Facebook that's like, well, Tina Fey was like in her 40s before she ever hit any kind of success. She's waiting tables at 42 when she, you know, got her gigs with, you know, SNL and like this person and this person. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm not doing too bad. Like I'm doing all right. And it's like, it kind of puts it in perspective that it's like, you know, you don't have to be married, buy a house, have two kids by the time you're 25. Like it, that gets like ingrained in our brains, but it's like, everybody is going to live their life a little bit differently and different things work for different people. So if like, like if that's what you want, more power to you. That's awesome. If you, if that is success to you, then I could not be more happy, but it's like, that may not work for me. And if I'm like, don't decide to do any of that till I'm 40, like who cares? You know, it's like, oh, you got yeah. one life to get out there, do it and enjoy it. Like you said, being reminded of those simpler, uh, the simpler times with, you know, buying the action figures that maybe didn't exist when you're a kid, you know, they didn't make toys for this when I was a kid or, you know, this is the toy I always wanted, but never got for Christmas. And now I can buy that. Yep. And, and it brings back a memory, you know, or even, you know, going to see a band that you never got to see when you're a kid or, um, you know, like you said, you know, starting a business that is surrounded by something that brings you happiness that you enjoy and then realizing, wow, I've made a career out of this. And it's like, that's making it, you know, everyone has different levels of what they think that is. And it is so cool to see so many people, especially nowadays. I mean, I think the pandemic did it a lot too. May really put in perspective how short life can be, mm -hmm. how quickly things can go very bad and how much time people had to really sit and think about things and be like, I hate my job. I'm going to do this instead. And they end up loving it even more. And it's like, I tell people all the time, you have all the time, you know, in the world until you die and no one knows when that's going to be. So it's like, use that time and, and have fun with it and do the things that you love, do things that you care about, chase that dream, no matter what it takes, even if you have to do it on the side for a little bit until it really takes off, at least entertain it, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I get, I get super passionate about that stuff just because it's like, you know, I've been very fortunate to have had the ability to do some of the things I've done that I, it's like, I tell people all the time, never in a million years did I think I would have moved to LA, 
and worked with the people I did. Never when I left LA and came back to Ohio, I thought my career was over. I thought I was never going to do film ever again. And then almost five years, a little over five years later, I got to work on Zombieland Double Tap down in Atlanta. And that was like the greatest experience of my life. And never in a million years did I think I would get to that point. Took some time. And then now, since then, it's like year after year, I'm getting more and more film projects and, and bigger and better stuff. And it's just like, it takes time and you got to work at it. But it's like, life will surprise you with, with the stuff that, that it kind of throws at you. And, and you just got to be willing to accept and run with it and, uh, you know, use certain things to your advantage to make it work, you know? And it's, um, so when people get weird about the, you know, whole like, oh, you know, when are you going to grow up and stuff? And it's like, you know, I am a grown up and I'm still having more fun than you are. So, you know. Well, we were laughing about this a while back. <clears throat> I had a guy who's like, you know, you took days off to go to movies. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go see. Now I don't have to, but it's you know, <laughs> yeah. like when the Star Wars movies came out, like the oh, original. Dude, and then the absolutely. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there at midnight back when you had to go to a midnight showing. Uh, I miss that. Let me tell you. Oh, man. I'll tell you what I miss was uh, um, the old Pickle Theater on Halloween. They would have a midnight showing of two movies. Mm -hmm. And I miss that so much. Oh, yeah. Because it was. I miss, I miss when the theater was still in the mall. I miss that a mm -hmm. lot. Um, I miss midnight showings because now it's like stuff starts Thursday afternoons and it's mm -hmm. like you can still find a showing close to midnight, but it's like it doesn't feel the same as going right at midnight because back in the day and I was watching a podcast about this, uh, the Dead Meat channel, they, they do the podcast as well. They're on YouTube and they were talking about how they went and saw snakes on a plane at a midnight showing and how the theater was crazy. People were like, throwing rubber snakes everywhere and stuff. And it's like going to the Star Wars midnight showings, people bring lightsabers and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's like, you don't have that anymore. You, it, well, you're not allowed to. No. They've got throw you out for it. But it's like, it's not an event like that anymore. And I, I miss going and doing that. You know, I miss the, because they did it up till fairly recently. Because I remember seeing um, Force Awakens uh, in 3D cl close to a midnight showing. And it's just, like, they don't do that anymore. And, like, you know, movies doing, like, the we're going to bring back these old horror movies and we're going to do a double double feature, you know, on Halloween. And it's, like, now you got to find, like, some real small independent theater that does that stuff. I mean, you have the, like, Plaza Theater down in Dayton that does it every Halloween. They bring old movies back. I got to see Beetlejuice and The Lost Boys back-to-back. -back, and that, that was awesome. But it's, like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's not a huge event like it used oh. to be you know and that's uh that's kind of one of the things that sucks a little bit about it but it's uh you know we were laughing um i i was talking about um midnight showing uh -huh. the first wednesday when the blair witch project came out oh hell first showing huber heights theater because huber heights was the only place that was playing it around here locally mm -hmm. i took the day off work because i worked third shift and uh, I don't even think I took the day off. I think I took part of the day off and, and showed up midday because I was working third. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, you don't get that anymore because now everybody sees the movie roughly at the same time. Sure. When you get, you know, one showing, theater, midnight, what, 
150 people probably. Oh yeah. And, you know, I remember seeing that movie and then you had the ending and everybody's just like, are those people really dead? You know, it was like, <laughs> what's crazy is, and this is kind of how the internet ruins things in two ways. A, I want to go back in time and be there for that because that movie was a game changer for mm-hmm. sure. Not the first of its kind per se, no. but it was a game changer. Nowadays, you have the internet so you can look it up and realize, oh, okay, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Or B, everyone's seeing everything at the same time, so how quickly spoilers come up. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't even have to watch a show when it comes out because it gets ruined for me almost immediately on Facebook. You're like, mm-hmm. I haven't watched any of Obi-Wan yet. And I'm like, well, I don't have to because it's like, here's everything right there. And even pages that like report on stuff, like, you know consequence of sound or like bloody disgusting or whoever wants to share anything it's like they almost share spoilers now mm-hmm. you know geek uh geek rant and all that stuff and I'm, or screen rant that's what it is and i'm just like y'all are supposed to be like reporting on this and talk about it, but you don't have to give everything away and it's uh it, it that that kind of ruins the fun of it and it kind of ruins the mystique of those things you know that the next closest thing i can remember within my lifetime and it again another one of those movies that made me really want to do it and it's it's a weird one but cloverfield oh yeah i remember when cloverfield came out because it was around the time found footage was like obviously an established thing but it's like i remember seeing that and thinking like what is this you know what's going on and and when you watch that movie if you show this to a kid who wasn't around for that time and doesn't know what it is and said this happened Someone would probably be like, holy shit, that happened? You know, but it's like, at the time, the marketing that went into it, same with Blair Witch Project, you know, or even, um, I remember Paranormal Activity, when that happened, they had people believing that it was real ghost stuff caught on camera, and, like, people were convinced, and they're like, this is the scariest film you'll ever experience, it's showing the crowd reactions in the theater, and it's like, you, you just, you don't get to have fun with that you know because everyone's like oh no it's not real and it's like come on i want to believe it's real though and it's um yeah but cloverfield and paranormal activity are like the closest thing to like the blair witch effect um i think we've ever had and i i I am like longing for that again because and and of course a lot of it was my age too because i was younger when both of those came out but it's like you know, the marketing was so genius behind those. And, you know, it's like even going back to like when Cannibal Holocaust came out and the director was taken to court because he's like, you filmed these people dying, dude. Yeah, they he's like, no, I swear. <laughs> it's like, I can't even imagine, you know, it, how shocking that must have been for that time period because there's nothing like that. No. And then, you know, with time, you know, so many other movies that have come out of that nature where it's just like the way it's marketed and what it's portraying is so jarring to the people seeing it. Um, I mean, the Blair Witch Project had to have been an unreal experience. I can't even imagine. It, it was one of the ones where I have never in my life before or after <laughs> we're watching the movie, movie ends dead silence. Wow. Just, just, and you, 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 no one was getting up. Everybody just kind of sat there for a minute, like, is, are they dead? Are those people really dead? And literally, you know, 
I'm, I, I go in and I'm using the restroom after and the guys like standing next to me and they're like, I can't believe those people's families let them show them people dying on film. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Cause you know, now people are like, Oh, Blair Witch is stupid. You know, I'm like, uh, you don't understand. <laughs> people don't understand the genius that was that movie to make something so low budget Mm -hmm. to use no-name actors for it and have them give the performances they did to show as little as they did. Because if you think about it, something like that, you probably wouldn't see anything. No. You know, in, in any situation like that, even with real footage that is comparable, I mean, you look at any ghost activity, anything on YouTube, anything anyone's ever filmed, you never really see anything. You never really experience anything. So it's like the way that was done was so clever. And it's just anyone that I talk to is like, that movie's dumb. I'm like, you're just mad because it's so good. And it doesn't even need to try because it just, it is, it exists to be that fucking awesome. And it's like, it's so, it just drives me insane when people like bash it. And I'm like, Sure, the sequel sucked, and the one that came out in 2016 was okay, and it was like, I liked what it tried to do. Yeah. But it's like, that original, I mean, nothing will ever come close to that. It's well, so early in the internet, it had its website uh -huh. up with missing posters, and, and if you have any information, they had the Curse of the Blair Witch, which was, you know, the supplemental video that went with it that was on Sci-Fi Channel that gave you more backstory of this oh, whole yeah. thing in the movie. And it was brilliant. I still, to this day, if I dig through my poster collection, I have the original missing poster. What? Blair Witch Project with the, with the three of them, Heather, Josh, and um, why can't I think of the other guy's name? Um, but it has them, has their birth dates and stuff, and it says missing dates, blah, 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 blah. But it's the missing poster for, from Blair Holy Witch Project. Cow. Yeah. Dude, that's that. amazing. Yeah. That, that's an amazing piece to your collection for sure. Um, oh my God, that's just, and you're, and you know what, you hit the nail on the head with that is like, that was so early in the time of the internet and that was pure genius for them to be like, we can convince people using this because it was before you had clickbait. It was before it was flooded with so much stuff that it's like that again, it's just, it's, Everything about how that film was made, marketed, it was all pure genius. And it was like the first person to decide, hey, I can use Kickstarter and Indiegogo to raise money to make a movie. And people who want to see it can give me money to do it, and I'll just give them stuff in return. This is a great idea. And it's, it's comic books. Yeah. Skateboards, like whatever you want to design or make, anything ever. And it's... Um, it was just, God, it was so ahead of its time. And it was just using something that, again, to, to its advantage to really drive home that what you're seeing is real. Yeah. And, and, and convincing people of that to the point where it's like people believed it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, talking to my dad, because he remembers when it came out, or some of my friends are a little bit older than I do who remember it. They're like, we thought this was, we thought we watched these people die on camera. We were just and like, you're, you know the people said when you were at the show that i can't believe the families would allow for this you know and it's just it's i i cannot rave enough about that movie and it's like to watch it to today's standards and to like what people see in horror movies now like 
I can see how people could be like, okay, like it was good, but it's like, it's kind of boring, you know? And it's like, I get it, but it's like, that just adds to the mystique. It adds to like the, the authenticity. Yeah, because if you're going to film stuff like that, you're going to have just mundane stuff going on. You're just going to be walking. You're going to be talking and bullshit. And, 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 you know, everybody's like, well, there's no, oh my God, there's no soundtrack because you're, you're walking through the woods. You don't have battery, you know, back then you'd have a freaking Walkman or a, a, a Discman. So Absolutely. you would have X amount of batteries. You wouldn't want to drag all that crap with you. And, you know, so there's no music and it, it just, it worked. And, you know, I think people look at it now because they're like, oh, you don't even see the monster. I'm like, man, the fact you'd never see the monster is great because you don't. Ten times scarier. Yeah. Because is there a monster? Is it, is it you know, uh, Josh crazy? Did he murder? You know, were they teamed? You don't even know because it could have, yeah. you know, still this day. Yeah. The Blair Witch, the new movie gave it an actual ending and actually mm-hmm. there was a monster. But, you know, when you watch that first time, you're like, did, did that actually really happen? Did, did, well, did, did the other guy, was he there? The one that was, you know, did, did they just murder Heather? Is that what happened? <laughs> I'm telling you, I, like I said, I would give anything to have the opportunity to go back in time and, and like, be there to experience it. Because it's like, that's, that's more than just, like, a movie-going experience like that is like just an overall just assault on the senses and an experience i mean thoroughly and i say that with a lot of found footage because i'm a sucker for found footage movies like entirely if it's found footage i'm gonna watch it and i'm probably gonna love it um you know when i watch movies like the wreck films i think those are like that's probably my favorite like franchise because it's like the way wreck one and two flow and intertwine the way they did was Mm -hmm. so perfect and, uh, you know, it's like any found footage movie is going to have that kind of mundane, boring kind of, you know, build up to what you see. And it's like, that's any home movie ever. Like, we have all seen those home movies where it's like, it's like an hour of something boring and then something really funny or entertaining happens at some point or someone does or says something. And it's like, it's just, you know, the lack of soundtrack, you know, it just, it creates something... It makes you, when you experience a found footage movie, it feels like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. Like you're just being shown something that could be real. And it, I think it helps with um, suspending disbelief. Because mm-hmm. it's like the way it's presented to you is as this was caught on camera, you know, and you shouldn't be seeing this. Or, you know, that's how it feels like watching Cloverfield. It's like, this is a huge historical event that was caught on camera or Blair Witch Project where you're seeing potentially uh, a murder scene or, you know, maybe there's this spirit of a witch out there that's killing these people, you know, or wreck where it's like, this is, you know, unseen camera footage from this uh, news reporter. And it's just, I, I love that stuff, man. It gets me all amped up and it's like, I, I want to make a found footage movie at some point but it's like i feel like it's not as popular as what it once was you know and it's kind of gone past but i'm like man i, I love that stuff so much as like how could you not plus it's super easy oh and yeah like, if, if like, i ever get a chance and enough people i'm making one i'm just oh I've, yeah absolutely I've, I've got a treatment over here in my notebooks and if it ever happens shit, if i get 10 people on a weekend we're making this movie 
<laughs> yes, because that's all you need. Just get some people together, like four or five days at the most, and just do it. Oh, you need this. Yeah. Editing. So, you need yes. Oh my god. My okay. So like my camera, and every time I'm on set, I do this. Um, it shoots at um, 4K, 24 frames a second. That's like that's film quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, they shot what was that movie? Unsane. Unsane. They shot that all on iPhone, and I'm like, it looks amazing. And yeah. It's just like, dude, this is and, incredible. And that's on my old. I've been on my old iPhone that I got foot. No, that's at the shop. I have a the shop iPhone, and that's what they shot Unsane mm -hmm. on. I was. I was amazed by that movie. I had to go see that. When the only place it was playing was uh, Huber, I think, when that one. Yeah. Uh, it was a good one. And I, oh. I thought it was really cool. And just seeing how the technology has advanced for filmmaking, even you take from Blair Witch, which was, what was that, 98, 99, somewhere in there. From then to now, how much that is advanced, or it's like, you know, you have people making movies on Zoom now with movies like. Uh, dark offerings and uh host and it's just like it's it's amazing how far people have come and just what you're able to do is so little like even you take like uh red red cameras that they use to make the marvel movies and stuff mm -hmm. and ari and it's like those at one point were like hundreds and thousands of dollars and they still are for some of the models but there's some you can get for like five or six grand and it's like in the grand scheme of things you mm -hmm. buy it get you some lenses it's like you can make as many movies on this as you want now you know it's uh but even like there are, are you know sony cameras uh we shot uh we shot um late checkout on two different sony cameras that shoot on in 4k 24 frames and the quality is comparable to that of a red and i'm like and they're a fraction of the price you just got to know how to format it a specific way to to look like that yeah. and you get you know obviously when you're editing doing your your color grading and stuff and it's like the ability to make hollywood level films was so little and, and i think a lot of that comes from like a lot of the secrets being leaked and it's like you know anybody can do just about any film job you want now because there's so many people that have talked about it and mm -hmm so many tutorials and stuff that it's like, man, if you just take some time to learn some stuff, anybody can do it now. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody is, you know, it's like any, anybody and their sister would be making movies. It's uh, but it's amazing. The advances that have been made and, and all the different ways people thought of ways to make and, and do these things. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see the creative ways that people decide to do it. Like when host came out, I was like, you're telling me this is all, on like a webcam like it's all in like a zoom meeting and i was like yeah i'm gonna watch it and i enjoyed it i thought it was a ton of fun the one the one that surprised me was uh my, my wife was like hey there's a movie because we saw the trailer for was it unfriended dark web I yeah what it was and i was like okay and um we went, i think that was during uh i, I want to say that was during the movie uh pass craze. Mm -hmm. so we were just going to the movies constantly Sure. $10 a month. I saw like 100 movies one month. Um, <laughs> just going just to go. Why not? We, my, I'd get bored. My, my, my best friend, he'd be sitting there because everybody would be asleep at the house and there'd still be movies on at the theater. I'm like, hey, man, want to go to a movie? He's like, yeah, let's go. 
So we just go to a movie at like 11 o'clock showing and we, whatever. <laughs> Before they were like capping it, be like, well, you could only see this many in a month because they realized that people are just going to go, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, I miss that. <laughs> I remember the weekend that hit. It was the weekend of Avengers and Infinity uh, uh, Gauntlet or Infinity yep. War uh, because we went and uh, I watched it because my wife and I were away for the weekend and we were in Indiana and um, that's when they moved it up a, a week. So we'd already had the plans to go away that weekend. I'm like, yeah. man, let's see if there's a theater over by where we're going to be. So we went to this little tiny theater over in Indiana that reminded me of the mall. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way it was set up. Went there, watched it on Thursday night, came back to Piqua. And uh, I watched it again. And uh, I had to... Uh, the 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 uh, ticket kiosk wouldn't take it. So I went up to the cash register and it took it. And then they're like, oh, so I was like, all right, well, they're going to take it so that we can't see it at all. So I took and went and seen it again the following Sunday. I'm like, I'm going to risk it. I'm hell with it. Went in again, but I went to a different theater. This time I'm in Mm -hmm. Huber and I got to see it. And that was the last time I got to see the same movie more than once. Jeez. And and I, I remember seeing Infinity War when that came out, and I really liked it, a lot of the Marvel stuff, and I feel like those movies are probably the reason that they stopped doing it, because it's like, you know, they were trying to make that the biggest movie of all time by the time Endgame came out, um, which, you know, rightfully so, because it was like a franchise 10 years in the making, you know, mm-hmm. and, and still going strong. It's, uh, yeah, I miss, I miss the movie past days. I, I saw a lot of movies in that time period and not as much anymore, you know, just with so much stuff going straight to streaming. It's like, I was like, you know, I could drive out to go see Mortal Kombat or I can just pull it up on TV right now. And it's, uh, what I did. again, just the, the advancements in, in technology and, uh, the ability to do different things, uh, with streaming being like, you know, the most predominant format that people are intaking a lot of their media and even the form of media we were talking about this on the checkout because i think the movie's only going to be uh what do you say roughly an hour and 10 minutes and everyone's like man that's pretty short and i was like you know a lot of movies outside of like marvel movies and stuff like a lot of stuff that goes straight to streaming not that long really like a lot of stuff's you know shorter you know at an hour maybe a little bit more 72, uh, a lot, 74, 70. Yeah. yeah see a, a lot of that. Oh, yeah. A lot of Shutter original stuff's fairly short. And it's like, you know, it's like now, because people, it, it feels like people aren't as into longer movies now. They kind of just like either want to take in a series or see something that they can watch in an hour, like on their break at work or whatever. And um, so it's like, it's like, there's no in between. So it's like, I was getting excited because I'm like, wow, movies are getting longer. That's kind of cool. But now everyone's like, now nah, I want a series or I just want a quick stinger. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool too, I guess. Um, I don't have the, the uh, attention span for a series sometimes. That's why I prefer movies, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. There's like a series for everything now and spinoffs for everything. And everyone wants to create universes and stuff it's it's wild um how that evolves and and watching how um the the marketing and how that uh media is presented to us now 
uh, how much that has changed even in the last five years is really, really crazy. Oh, yeah. The, the pandemic changed everything, the way we see movies. Um, Absolutely. I was, I was talking to my buddy the other day, and uh, I was like, man, I was like, I keep hearing that before too long, the only movies we're going to see in theaters are your big tentpole movies, your big summer blockbuster movies and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Everything else is going to go to Hulu, Netflix, streaming. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, you know, I think the days of going to the movies to see a, you know, $2 million movie are gone. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, you're not going to have your movies like X playing at the theater. Mm -hmm. You know, a movie like that is going to go straight to streaming. You know, a movie like The Northmen, straight to streaming. Something like, I'm trying to think what maybe four or five years ago, even a movie like The Conjuring, something like that, that was pretty big deal in the theater. You're going to see that stuff going straight to streaming, unless it's like Top Gun or if it's like a Marvel movie or mm -hmm. Star Wars. Even a lot of Star Wars stuff is going straight to streaming with Disney Plus. Yep. And it's, uh, I, th I think it's, it's a game changer. And I do in a lot of ways, think we'll probably see a lot of theaters go under, at least the big chains and stuff like that, potentially, just because I don't feel like they can keep up with the streaming, especially with so many studios making deals with them. And I think streaming is going to be the new thing. And I, I hate to see it because I do like going to I the theater. Yeah. But it's like, I, I do think that is the future of our media intake because of like the Obi-Wan series. Like that's something that maybe 10 years ago, that would have been a movie. Yeah. About a two hour movie. But now it's like, they're like, well, people want more. So we'll just do a series or, or like Moon Knight, yeah. which is basically like a limited series event. And it's like, you know, even though it's probably not going to go beyond the six episodes that they did, but it's like, or five or six or however many it was, um, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been just a movie. Yeah. But now it's like, hey, we can do a series, stretch it out, show a little bit more, and we'll just put it straight to the streaming service and charge you X amount of dollars a month. And then a lot of that stuff doesn't even get physical releases anymore. Like Netflix, for a lot of their originals, they don't do physical. And so it's like you have to pay that monthly if you want to see it. And uh, it's honestly, it's genius on their part, but it does kind of suck if you're a collector or someone who doesn't really given to the streaming because it's like the only streaming service i pay for is shutter the rest are just shared passwords with friends in my friend group you know and it's um it, it's it's gotten to a point that i remember when netflix when it first started where uh it was the mail-in discs yep first off but then when it started to become streaming and netflix had everything ever mm -hmm. and then everyone else was like well we own these properties. We could start our own streaming service. And now what you pay to get everything you would want, well, God, it costs the same as having cable. Yep. So it's like, why not just have cable? You know, it's it's uh, so funny how many people, you know, canceling cable and stuff. And now it's like everyone's doing streaming. And now Netflix is like, um, God, I think I saw somewhere they lost. Yeah, they're hemorrhaging money bad. Yeah, they, they lost a lot of people recently. And it was right around the time they said they were going to start charging people extra for password sharing. I don't know if they've gone back on that claim saying they were going to do that. But or within like the month of them announcing that, they lost like, I want to say three or four million subscribers mm -hmm. worldwide. And I'm like, that's a pretty big chunk of people gone. Well, so it's just like, man.
they dumped all that money into what red notice they dumped a bunch of money into mm-hmm. these these series that just kind of and then the series that people do like they're like well that didn't bring enough in people like it but they're not watching it yeah so one series one and done like i like that what archive 81 i think it was yeah uh i really like that we're never getting an ending to that which sucks so <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's like with them raising their prices too, because I think like even a basic plan right now is like twelve or fifteen dollars, and I'm like, good god, like, and that's not even you don't even get your shit in HD with their most basic plan, you know? And I'm just like, this is not worth it. And it seems like they they're definitely slipping with a lot of their original content, mm-hmm. like a lot of new stuff that comes out. I'm like, man, you have a show like Mine Hunter, for example. Or mine hunters or whatever. It's um, the one with the serial killers yep. and the FBI and all that. And um, great show, but we only got the what two seasons? And I'm like, why wouldn't Netflix try to pick that up and 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 continue that on or find a show like Hannibal? I liked Hannibal when that was out because it was mm-hmm. kind of a different take on Hannibal Lecter and all that. But it's like it's just kind of sitting in purgatory, and we never got to see that wrapped up. And it's like. How about instead of making these originals that do okay, pick that stuff up, you know? But it's like, it's it's all a battle of, like, who has the rights to what, and it's it, it gets messy for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, they, they picked up one of my favorite shows. They picked up Lucifer. Yeah. And that was one of their best streaming shows they had. And that was picked yeah. up from Fox, so... Yeah, and, and it's like, I remember when that ended originally, a lot of people were really upset. I, I never watched it. I really need to because it's been recommended a lot. Uh, but, you know, it's like, man, I just, I'm, I'm shocked by the amount of shows that have been canceled that were like people really like that multiple streaming services haven't been like, hey, we'll buy that off you and we'll, uh, we'll keep it going or we'll pick it back up and we'll do this with it or start a new one or whatever. But it's like, it, it does seem like that is the, uh, the golden standard for, for media right now is either a, a series or uh, a shorter movie. And that's what you get. So, you know, hopefully, um, we get some more stuff in the future and, uh, get some more interesting things and more, true adaptations of things we care about and, and love as as fans because it's like now is the perfect time to be into nerdy stuff because it's like we're finally getting great adaptations of things that we've always loved it except unless you're a resident evil fan then you just you you can suffer forever but uh, i'm not gonna lie i i liked welcome to raccoon city it was it was fine it was yeah, not it was, as bad as people made it no. out to be it, it was it was fine it yeah. was fine i i, I like the cast um, oh, the cast was great. Yeah, I loved them. I, I can't remember her name. The one that played, uh, you know, she was in Crawl and stuff like that. I don't care. Oh, uh, Kaya Skioto or whatever. She yeah. played Claire. Yeah, she yeah. was great. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right. I since we got get I got to get back on one topic. Yes. We, okay. I asked people this: if you could work in any other genre, what other genre would you love to do? okay i obviously predominantly do horror i've mm-hmm. done one action movie <laughs> and even it was on the fence um saying sci-fi feels kind of cheaty because it, it's so close to horror so i'm not gonna say sci-fi um i would say comedy for sure just because i 
I love to laugh. I like to have a good time. I love a good comedy movie. Um, plus comedy, you can have a lot of special effects related stuff in comedy movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at a movie like the Ace Ventura films or The Mask. I'm just going to bring out a lot of Jim Carrey stuff because it's like very you know with obviously his makeup but then like all the prop animals and stuff like that that you'd see in like um in that or like the adams family it's like there's so much stuff out there where you can utilize those things so i'd say comedy for sure because i've not had the opportunity but it's like when i watch a really funny movie and having worked on movies i'm like how do you keep a straight face on set when something this ridiculous is being said and being said probably 150 times because it, it, it either gets really old really fast or it just keeps getting funnier and it's like there's no in between it's one or the other or if somebody like breaks character or adds ad libs something and i'm just like man i don't i don't know if i could do it because i i'm a giggly bitch and i will like laugh at anything and i just like i i want to try at some point i really want to try to do a comedy movie for sure cool cool well, uh, we've been at this for over two hours, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been great. Um, we got you coming to the Pequicon on the yes. 26th. I'm super excited about that. I've, I've yet to do a con of any kind for the work that I do. So this is the first, and I'm kind of glad that it's something kind of hometown with it and, uh, have the opportunity to kind of show off some of the work that I do as well as promote some of the stuff I've been working on. And I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for setting me up with a table there and yeah, all that right. good stuff. I'm dude, I am so excited for that. Are you going to be bringing some stuff that you can sign any movies, any, uh, I'll probably bring, um, so my goal is, and I can't make any guarantees on it, but my goal is to get some smaller, maybe 11 by 17s made of a couple movies that I've worked on. And I'm going to, I'm going to try because uh, some of the people who worked on late checkout are fairly local. So I can probably get some autographs on some stuff um, and sell some autograph stuff. Um, I might try to get some copies of some movies I've worked on, maybe have a handful there to sell for people to check out. Um, I'll have some original artwork that I've personally done there that people can check out as well as maybe some props and stuff like that. Um, because, I, I mean, a lot of the props that I use on movies, whether it's a prop knife or it's a severed arm or whatever it is, I keep all that stuff if I can. Um, and so it's like I have a whole closet that's just filled with stuff. People laugh about this all the time. And I know if Cassidy, if you're watching this, uh, you'll laugh. Um, I have a silicone head of my friend Cassidy, and it looks so real like it's disturbing how real this thing looks and um i keep it in my fridge here in my in my makeup studio so when i have people over to do like a life cast or something they're like oh you know help yourself to anything in the fridge so they open it up and there's just this gnarly severed head in there and i bring it with me everywhere i go when i get like on i'm traveling or going to another set I'll put like hats on it and stuff and I put it in the passenger seat and people are like, what are you doing? But it's like, it's really fun and it's entertaining and I was glad that I got to keep it. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll have all kinds of goodies there with me. So I'm, I'm still planning on all of the stuff I want to bring because there's so much that I'm like, man, how do I even, how do I even begin to bring all this stuff? So I'll figure something out. It, it's going to be cool. I can guarantee you that for sure. 
Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go for tonight. And uh, awesome. once I end this, you can tell me uh, who that was. What the? Oh, what yeah. The, so, all right. So I'm going to say adieu. Thank you for being on the show. And Thank you for having me. And uh, as always, the Group Therapy Podcast is brought to you by Are You Game, the best comic book collectible uh, magic video game DVD store located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. And you can catch my other shows, uh, Sci Fridays, Fridays at 9 or 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday morning serials, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And group therapy every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. And it looks like we're probably going to be adding another group therapy sometime during the week so we can get caught up with all the shows I already have in the can. So, <laughs> all right. Well, you guys have a good day, and I will see you all.